Good morning. It's September 12th. It is intermittently sunny in New York this morning, but the rain is supposed to stay away for the day. The cat is hiding in the bookshelf, noisily chewing on post-its in a marked-up book. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. The Mediterranean storm system that flooded Greece and Turkey with torrential rains last week made its way to Libya, where flooding and two dam collapses have killed at least 2,300 people and left more than 5,000 missing. Entire sections of the city of Derna were reportedly washed out to sea after the dams gave way. The settlement between New York City and protesters, meant to rein in the NYPD's chronic lawlessness toward protesters, is now unsettled. Hellgate reports that the judge who approved the settlement vacated her approval on Friday in response to complaints from the Police Benevolent Association. The police union said last week that the settlement could serve to encourage future violence, Hellgate reports, and though the PBA didn't participate in the settlement, it nevertheless convinced the judge that its complaints deserved a hearing before the agreement that everyone else had reached could be implemented. Hellgate also provides some amazing context for Judge Colleen McMahon's decision, writing that the lawyer representing the PBA is Robert S. Smith, McMahon's former law partner and friend of nearly 50 years. Nevertheless, McMahon says she wasn't aware that Smith, a former judge, whom McMahon continues to address by that title, was even working on the case before her until she read his letter asking her to set aside the settlement Friday. It's not at all clear how that timeline would clear up any conflict of interest. She didn't know the person asking to do the thing was her friend until she saw their request for her to do the thing right before she did the thing. But anyway, Hellgate continues... In the two and a half years since Smith filed his notice of appearance on the case before McMahon, she writes, Judge Smith and I have co-hosted an annual Super Bowl party. We have watched the Super Bowl together, along with an ever-expanding group of friends and acquaintances, almost every year since 1977. Also, Smith is Ben Smith's dad. Last spring, I attended a book party at the judge's home to mark the launch of his son Ben's book, Traffic, she writes in her order, none of which, in her estimation, merited recusal. It might be nice if judges in these situations would suggest examples of things that would merit recusal, because it's kind of hard to imagine where the line would get drawn. On the front of the Times, China uses AI to spread lies about U.S. fire. Perfect conjunction of everything. You got your new Cold War, you got global warming disasters, you got AI, and you got good old disinformation. Chinese information warriors, the story says, posted that the fire was the result of a secret weather weapon being tested by the United States. To bolster the plausibility, the posts carried photographs that appeared to have been generated by artificial intelligence programs, making them among the first to use these new tools to bolster the aura of authenticity of a disinformation campaign. I guess this is alarming, but mostly it's just incredibly grim to contemplate the upcoming cycles of debunking and rebunking that are going to follow off this as they do off every other disinformation story. Maybe that's the real goal of the cyber warriors. Down at the bottom of the page, Trip Gabriel leaves off his endless survey of diner politics to discuss the upcoming Virginia legislative races through totally ungrounded fanfiction speculation. If Republicans, Gabriel writes, take majorities in both legislative chambers, and both are in play, the takeaway is likely to be that the party cracked the code with suburban swing voters on abortion by offering a more middle-of-the-road position than the near-total bans passed in deep red states. The takeaway is likely to be is an incredible construction. What is a takeaway? It's the thing Trip Gabriel will write after the election happens. He's speculating about the possibility of his own future speculation. 
Nobody does it quite like Trick Gabriel. And all of page A14 is devoted to the newsprint version of the big online story that ran over the weekend about how one of Jacqueline Kennedy's Secret Service detail members has come forward with his own story about the Kennedy assassination. In his telling, he has now remembered or understood or decided to talk about the fact that the famous magic bullet, which was supposed to have passed through Kennedy, bounced around inside Texas Governor John Connolly doing damage and come back out still intact on Connolly's hospital stretcher, was, by this person's account, actually just lying in the back seat of the limo from which he scooped it up and put it on Kennedy's stretcher, giving the bullet a new and different improbable journey to have taken, this one by somehow bouncing off Kennedy's stretcher onto Connolly's. This story from Agent Paul Landis, the Times notes, varies in a couple of respects from two written statements he filed in the week after the shooting. Aside from not mentioning finding the bullet, he reported hearing only two shots. I do not recall hearing a third shot, he wrote. Likewise, he did not mention going into the trauma room where Kennedy was taken, writing that he remained outside by the door when the First Lady went in. Also elsewhere in the story, it says, James Robinault, a Cleveland lawyer and author of several books of history, has deeply researched the assassination and helped Mr. Landis process his memories. Nothing like a processed memory to work with. The file photo the Times uses of the backseat of the limousine with the newspaper story is mercifully in black and white. Online, they used a large format color version, and not to be unduly graphic, but as someone who's never been super obsessed with the details of the Kennedy assassination, I had never quite grasped just how much of John F. Kennedy was left in the limo's back seat afterwards. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going, and we will talk again tomorrow.